0: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and give us a call, 208 991 4783. If you've not already, I encourage you to pick up a copy of my ebook, All I Needed to Know, I Learned from Colombo. Take a look at seven great detectives of radio, literature, and television and examine life lessons that can be gleaned from their uh, characters and history. Uh, the ebook is available on every major ebook uh, store other than Apple, and it's also available on smashwords.com and, of course, for the Kindle. That's all I needed to know I learned from Columbo. Now it is time for today's episode. Dr. Jonathan Budd and the Dutchman.
2: It's about the world he goes around in. It's about the big music, and the big trouble, and the big 20s. So when they ask you, tell them this one's about the blues. Pete Kelly's Blues. Kelly's Blues, starring Jack Webb, with story by Joe Eisenberg and music by Dick Kepka.
3: My name's Pete Kelly. I play cornet. You'll find us at 417 Cherry Street, Kansas City. It's a standard speakeasy. The whiskey matches the color of your money a fairly quiet crib, never any real serious trouble. The competing torpedoes in town regard it as a sort of a neutral zone, a place to meet and maybe talk things over before going to the gun. The Switzerland of Kansas City. The lease is owned by George Lupo. He's a fat, friendly little guy who has only two things in his life, dollars and cents. We start grinding every night at about ten and we play till the cash register tape gives out. But that's all right with us. He lets us play the kind of music we like and pays off with a smile. Sometimes we even manage to get a few bucks. The last night we were dragging through the lull hour of the first set when the distinguished old guy came in. I'd seen him in the place many times before, always with the Dutchman and two or three of the Dutchman's guns. He'd sit at their table, letting their whispers float around his gray hair, never taking part, just sit quiet, gaining slowly on the open bottle in front of him, staring at a point that probably didn't exist. This was the first time I'd seen him without the Dutchman. He started to sit at the usual place, hesitated, looked around the half-filled room, took the small table in the corner near the bar. He smiled up at me as he poured his first drink. There was nobody behind it. We went into the wind-up. <laughs>
2: We sure drag heel tonight. What's up next, Pete? Nothing. My lip's raw. Let's get off for a while. You'd burn that lip at both ends, Petey. Slow down. You want a beer at the bar, Red? No, thanks, Petey. I'll catch
3: me a hunk of fresh air in the alley. All right. On your way out, throw some nickels in the Pianola, will you?
4: Right. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Forgive me, I... Oh, quite an impulse. I find myself the sudden victim of an overwhelming desire for companionship.
3: Yeah. I so
4: see you're alone tonight. I'm alone every night. Please sit down, if only for a minute.
3: sorry right. well, Thank you. What will you drink? A little of that ginger ale will do fine. You expecting your friends?
4: That's the one thing I can count on tonight, the arrival of my friends. I should like to compliment you, Mr. Kerry. On what? Your music. I must confess, I don't really understand it, but I do understand and recognize one thing, faith. You play your cornet as though you believed in it. Thanks. Oh, that is a priceless thing, Mr. Kerry, faith. And the belief in something. Never lose it, sir. Because when you do, you're lost yourself. Yeah. Well, but I... No, please. Uh, just sit another small minute. All right. I lied to you, Mister Kelly. I told you I wanted companionship. No, what I really want is an audience. There's so many things I want to say, and so little time left in which to say. Well, sounds like you're about to get married. Have another drink, huh? You think I'm drunk, don't you? Well, you're right. I am, but not on whiskey.
3: Yeah. You're scared, aren't you?
4: Is that it? Yeah. In here, see my heart, expending enough energy to power a modest light. What are you afraid of? All evening I've been asking myself that same question. What am I afraid of? Surely it can't be the loss of life. And yet... You're sick? With a disease for which neither man nor magician has yet been able to effect a cure. The wrath of a killer. You're a target. Is that it? I, as you so graphically put it, am a
3: target. The Dutchman? The Dutchman. Look, I don't make this... Right now, you should be two yards the other side of Baffin Bay. The street's aligned with the Dutchman's gun. But you gotta make a pass at it. You can't just say, okay, here's my head with a 50-cent cigar in it. Don't you want to live? I thought
4: not. My adrenals refuse to concur. Look, isn't
3: there somebody to help get you out of town? A friend? I have no friend. Except the Dutchman. The law? Yeah. Now, look, I gotta get back up there. Take this key. Hotel George, around the corner. Go up to my room. There's no reason for him to look for you up there. We'll think of something. Mm, do you think so? Do you really think so? Now, look, we're going to try. If we can't, we'll need two 50-cent cigars. Now, go on. E?
2: Hey? Yeah, Red. What's the matter with the senator?
3: Nothing a thousand miles won't cure. All right. Let's do goose pebbles. All right, everybody ready? I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Red, take over. I'm going to duck out for a while. What's wrong, Petey? My lip, I'm starting to limp. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. Mister Kelly. Which Mister Kelly? How many Mister Kellys you got in this crib? Never mind, Jamie. Maybe. Yes, the punk nice is he, Mister Kelly. So he gives you with a snide Which, Mister Kelly. All right, Jamie. Please forgive Jamie. He hasn't had much sleep lately. Yeah. Well, you wake him up and tell him there's another Kelly. Bob Kelly works downstairs in the plant. Maybe he's the boy you want. No, we're looking for Pete Kelly. Yeah. Yes, Pete Kelly. Oh, not Bob Kelly. Not Bob Kelly, Pete Kelly. Yeah. Well, I'm Pete Kelly. I'm Pete Kelly. We'd like to talk to you for a minute. Sure. Outside. Outside? Just in the alley. Driving. Yeah, well, I'd like to oblige you, but you see, friend, I got a job to do here. Outside? All right, Jay. Mr. Kelly understands. Yeah. I'll be right back, Red. Yeah. Smoke,
4: Mr. Kelly. Yeah, thanks.
3: Thank you. You're welcome. You like my brand? Your brand? Gold tip. You like them? Yeah, sure. I never smoke anything else. There was an elderly gentleman inside this evening. He also smoked some. Did you smoke one of his? Elderly gentleman? Yes, about 55. My height, gray hair, blue eyes. He sat at your table. Got had a nice drink with him. You smoked a cigarette of his. Sorry, I haven't seen anybody all night. All right, Terry, let's get to it. Stop with the circle talk. Easy. Junior. We got the rumble you was talking to. Well, you're wrong. Well, you. All right. Go on me. That's enough. Yeah, all right. Now, you listen, Junior. The next time you put your hands on me, you walk away without him. You deserve that, Jamie. You have to learn when to and when not to. Jamie's young, Mr. Kelly. He thinks he has to make his reputation in one night. Can he be friendly? Can he be nice? Can he be honest? Why can't he tell us the truth and let us go about our business? That's fair enough. Isn't that fair enough, Mr. Kelly? Isn't Jamie right this time? Yeah, sure. Seems to me he's being fair. Seems to me he's right this time. I'm always fair. I just ask for cooperation. That's it. That's all. That's all we ask. Just cooperation. And mister, you're gonna cooperate? I'm a surplus, mister. This gun's been to France and back. What do you want? Small hunk of truth. You sat and talked to this gentleman? You see? He ain't gonna cooperate. Yeah, I talked to him What about? Listen, Matt What's this and what's that? Music What else? Horses What else? Women What else? That's all You're lying Terry says you're lying He knows it's his business to know Music? Yes, horses and women, no, not him You're lying He was drunk How drunk? Drunk enough to talk about horses and women? What's his name He didn't say Where's he now? I don't know You saw him go? I left him at the table All right That's it, Terry? For now Mr. Kelly says he doesn't know where he is. Maybe he's telling the truth. You got it all. But if you're lying, Jamie's going to come back and see you alone. Well, I didn't need Einstein to figure it out for me. They were a couple of the Dutchman's guns. Assignment, rub out of one old party. Method, burn down anybody in the way. And from here on in, they'd cuddle closer to me than a baby kangaroo to its mother. Well, I had to get that old party out of my room fast. I told Red to keep the boys working, and I went on the prowl for Barney Ricketts. Barney's an ex-bootlegger. He went broke in nineteen twenty-two. Nobody's been able to figure out how a bootlegger could go broke in nineteen twenty-two, and Barney refuses to tell the secret of his failure. He did it the hard way, and he isn't going to make it easy for anybody else. He wasn't at Sour Sammy's joint. He hadn't shown at Papa Pastor's, and I was starting to worry when I caught up with him at Joe Donegan's over on Twelfth Street. As usual, he was boiled and loud.
2: Ah, Pete Kelly, the Kansas City Gabriel.
3: Listen, Barney, I need a favor. Without
2: evasion, Petey, I tell you right out that your arrival is ill-timed.
3: A major league favor.
2: I was just about to pour a potion, and now I'm forced to ask you to share it with me. No, Barney, look, there's no time... That's your trouble, Petey. No true understanding of the meaning of time. Do you know what time in the life of one man really is? I mean, the nature of it and its function. Yeah, I know all about it. Now, listen, Barney, Of course you don't, and it isn't many men who will so frankly confess their ignorance. That's what I admire most about you, Petey. Your honesty in admitting to your abundant ignorance. All right, Barney. No, no, you mustn't be disheartened. The very fact that you know that you don't know is a hopeful sign. It means that you are ready to learn, and I will be your guide, counselor, and teacher. Yeah. Now then, take time. All right. And to properly understand the true nature of time, you must take time to understand it. Regard time as a valise. To each man at birth, such a valise is given, some large, some small, according to his destiny. That is the one thing which he cannot really choose, the size of the valise which we call time. You all through now? Yes. Uh, what are we going to put into your release this time?
3: Maybe a hunk of hope for a guy who needs it. What's his problem? He was sitting in 417. I talked to him. A mobster? No, educated, cultured, gentle. I see. A dangerous man. No, he was lost, Barney. Lost and frightened. The kind of fright that freezes you when you're on the other side of a gun. I see. Who
2: fingered him? The Dutchman. The Dutchman? That's right. Tell me, uh, is he about 55, gray hair, blue eyes. That's right. And you don't know who he is? No, I didn't say. Well, Peter, you're right and you're wrong. He's educated, cultured, gentle. But you're wrong about helping him. Nothing you or anyone else can do can stretch his beliefs. Why not? Because the Dutchman says no. That's all. But well, who is he? Dr. Jonathan Budd, uh-huh. an excellent surgeon and general practitioner. But what's he got to do with the Dutchman? For the last two years, he's been under exclusive contract to the Dutchman. Sort of company medic for the Dutchman's torpedoes. On call, 24 hours a day. Remove an appendix or a bullet, as the circumstances may require. I don't make it, Barney. A man
3: like that... Why would the Dutchman want to send him over?
2: I don't know, Petey, and I don't want to know. Go back to Lupo's. Pick up your horn and forget all about Dr. Bud. I can't do it. Keep me, Petey. The Dutchman says drop dead, he'll drop dead. Don't be near him when he falls. Don't get into this, Petey. I'm already in, Barney. I sent him up to my room.
3: You didn't. He's there now, waiting for me. Get him out of there. I had to help him, Barney. You can't just stand by and send him into the street to be cut down. A man has to have somebody to worry about him, somebody to help him. Get him
2: out of there. I can't. Why not?
3: I'm being watched. By the gun? Yeah. You sure? They got the buzz I was sitting with them. They're keeping a string on me.
2: Petey, Petey, you fool. How long do you think it'll be before they get into your room? That's why I came to you, Barney. No, no, Pete, not this time. Not where the dust... Look, they're on my back, Barney. I'll draw the guns off. Back to Lupo's. You get him out, Barney. You can do it. And what do I do with him once I got him? Ask him what he'll charge to cut you out of my life? Take him to the other side of the river,
3: over to Fat Annie's. Tell Maggie Jackson she can fold him into the shed out back. he will be safe there.
2: Fine. He can make a new life for himself in Fat Annie's shed.
3: I'll think of something. I'll shake the guns after I get back to 417, and I'll think of something.
2: You do that, Petey, because if you don't, you'll be dragging up full release before morning.
3: I scuttled back through the streets, back to 417 Cherry. The guns were right behind me. My valise was getting fuller and heavier by the minute, and I knew I'd added a few pounds to Barney's. But that's the way it is. A guy drifts into your life, pulls out a finger for help, and you take hold and you're near to drifting out of it with him. But what can you do? You gotta take hold or you don't sleep so good anymore. Well, Lupo glared at me with his what-am-I-paying-you-for glare as I ducked into the joint. I started for the bandstand. I didn't get past the bar.
0: Mr. Kelly? Yeah? I've been waiting for you. Yeah? Could we... Could I talk to you?
3: Oh, go ahead. I'm listening.
0: Someplace alone? Well, what about... It's about my... My name's Mary Bud.
3: Oh, come on. Behind the bandstand. Thank you. Let's go, Petey. folks just docked us another thing. I'll be right with you, Red. Yeah. All right.
0: I... I was told you saw my... Saw who? My father.
3: Lots of fathers come in here. Who's yours?
0: Dr. Bud, Dr. Jonathan Bud.
3: You drive a car? Yes. Your license with you? Yes. Let me see it. Thanks. All right. Now, pay attention. Your father's in trouble. The big trouble.
0: Why? What's happened?
3: The Dutchman took a dislike to him. Who's
0: the Dutchman? You don't know? My father never told me anything.
3: Well, you're a big girl now. The Dutchman's a man with a gun. He's pointing it at your father. All right. Now, hold on. Maybe we can... How would
0: anybody want to kill my father? I don't know. He's never hurt anybody in his life. Why would this man Look, lady,
3: I got no answers for you. Maybe if
0: we could find out why... Maybe we could... Are you sure? You have no idea. All
3: I know is the Dutchman said drop dead. There's no court of appeals for that.
0: Yes. I understand now.
3: But we still got a chance. It's skinny, but it's there.
0: Where's my father now?
3: He's being taken across the river. Fat Annie's place. Boulder Road. Is your car out front?
0: No, I left it downtown. Good.
3: Go get it. Make sure you're not tailed. Go to Fat Annie's. See Maggie Jackson. I'll try to shake the Dutchman's guns after the next number. But if I can't get over to Fat Annie's, you collect your father out of that shed and back, hit the highway north on the Kansas side. Now, you got it?
0: I... I'll never forget you for this, Mr. Kelly.
3: Yeah, sure. (sighs) All right, all right, let's settle
2: down. Settle down, huh? What's up? Newlyweds in from St. Joe. Been asking for a cornet solo for an hour. All right. What do you think? How about Pigeon Toad Joe?
3: Oh, my lip and you asked for that?
2: All right. All right. Pigeon Toad Joe. You got it?
3: All right. I'll give you the pickup. Well, that's all for me tonight, Red.
4: Well, let me see that. Huh? Yeah, you ain't fooling. Your lip's bleeding.
2: We'll do the next set without me, huh? Oh man, that Lupo—he's sure making the deducts tonight. Where's the Erskine Park, Red? Round on Tenth Street. We better put the top up. Looks like rain. Yeah, all right. How long you gonna be gone? Huh? I said, how long you gonna be gone?
3: Depends on how much room is left in my valise. <clears throat> left the stand, and headed for the men's room just like nothing was happening. I bolted the door behind me, crawled out through the small window, dropped into the alley, and lit out for 10th Street over fences and through backyards. Red's Erskine was right where it ought to be. I slammed over to 12th, rattled across the bridge, jolted down Boulder Road to Fat Annie's place. Halfway there, it started to rain. Inside Fat Annie's business was slow. There was nobody there. Maggie Jackson was making for a piano when I got inside.
0: Hi, Pete. I'm glad you got here. We got a tenant we shut out back. Yeah? Yeah, with a short term lease. Just a minute, please. Alright, I ain't going nowhere, ain't seeing no one, no how, cause love and I are parting starting now. I'm on good behavior, so, honey, savior, hello. In answer to your passes, the last there's no. I've been somewhere seeing someone most every day of my sad life. I'm gonna trade in my mad life for something slow and safe, and so I ain't going nowhere, ain't gonna wrinkle my brow, cause love and I are part of start now. That was nice.
3: Place is really good tonight. Yeah, business is bad all over. Look, Maggie, how about the guy in the shed? Is he all right?
0: He ain't bleeding none yet. Where's Barney? He just dropped the package like it was hot chitlins and dusted.
3: The girl get here yet?
0: What girl's that?
3: The tenant's daughter.
0: No girl showed yet, Pete.
3: Well, the minute she shows, Maggie, send her outside, will you?
0: You going to the shed, Pete? Yeah. Best to go through the kitchen, straight out the back.
3: Sure, thanks, Maggie.
0: Sure. Good luck,
3: It's Kelly. Pete Kelly, Doc. Come in. Yeah.
4: You all right, Doc? Yes. The roof leaks and I've run out of cigarettes. Sure. Here. Thank you. I'll give you a light.
3: That's good. Yeah, now, look, I think we're home safe. I'm getting you out of here. Now tell me, why do you bother?
4: What? I said, why do you bother? Look, Doc, don't confuse me. You're an anachronism, Mr. Kelly. A moral man in the immoral chunk. Of. Now, look, I talked to your daughter. She'll be here soon. You talked to my daughter? Yeah, that's right. She's coming to pick you up. Small girl, red hat, blue eyes? Yeah. Mr. Kelly, I have no daughter. You don't? You talked to the Dutchman's Smile. Yeah, but the license, her driving license. She showed me her driving license. Yes, sure, she did. I believed you. That's yes, an excellent actress. And you told her where I am. Did she ask you anything else? What you might know about the Dutchman and me. Well, she asked. I knew nothing. You're sure? You're sure you're you sure? You sure you told her you knew absolutely nothing? Yeah, that's right. Then you're safe. You'll be all right. They'll forgive you for trying to help me. You finally did tell them where to find me. And for that, they forgive you. All right, come on. Now, let's get out of here. Let's get no, more. No, Mr. Kelly. You'd better go quickly. Well, I got a car. We'll make a run for it. No But they'll be here any minute. And I'll be waiting for them. No use to run anymore. Yeah. In some strange way, I've begun to realize that I'll welcome their arrival. But I don't want to escape. You see, it's impossible for a man to escape from himself. I am nothing more than the works I have done. It is those works which decide the ultimate fate of a man. Mine, and rightly so, are about to kill me. No, we cannot escape from what we have made of ourselves.
3: Yeah, but look, you can start all over again. There have been others like this before. They ran, took the chance and ran. Strange.
4: Things taught me in my youth. Things unremembered for years. My freshman days at school... And the words of Socrates when Crito urged him to delay the drinking of the hemlock as others before him had delayed. Yes, Crito, and they of whom you speak are right in so acting, for they think that they would be gainers by the delay. But I am right in not following their example, for I do not think that I should gain anything by drinking the poison a little later. I should only be ridiculous in my own eyes for sparing and saving a life which is already forfeit. Please, then, to do as I say, and not to refuse me. And so, I ask you, Mr. Kelly, don't refuse me. Go now, please, for your sake. I'm all right. No, you're not all right. They're going to kill you. Don't you understand that? I understand.
3: Yeah. Sure you do. There's nothing more I can do?
4: Nothing. Except perhaps a cigarette. Sure. Take the bag. No. Two will do. Yeah. Goodbye, Kelly. Goodbye, Doc. Ellie. Yeah. Please leave the door open.
2: Kelly's Blues, starring Jack Webb, with story by Joe Isinger, and music by Dick Capgut, scoring by Matty Matlock. The music of Pete Kelly's Big Seven and Maggie Jackson is now available on Phonograph Record.
3: The proceeding was transcribed. Now join The Great Gildersleeve on NBC.
1: Back. Well, a very downbeat uh, ending, uh, but uh, a strongly, uh, I think, a very sincere uh, e- effort by Pete Kelly. I've heard this uh, a few times, and each time I listen to it, I somehow hope that the episode will turn out differently. But, of course, it doesn't. Uh, definitely a solid performance by Webb and you know, trying to save the doomed doctor. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, very deep episodes, so. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Uh, this is our second to last episode of Pete Kelly's Blues. Join us uh, next week for our final installment. Uh, and then also, I do want to remind you, we, uh, if you like Jack Webb, we have the Old Time Dragnet podcast. We only have, uh, about 30 episodes left to go, so you can follow that dot radiodragnet.com. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Give us a call, 208-991-4783. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.